Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. I love when we have reoccurring guests, and I love this reoccurring guest, Judy Graybill, who is a step-parent coach and has just written a mini-book. Judy, mini-books are the bomb because we're also ridiculously busy. If people can bottom line things like you did, you're a brilliant author. So let me tell everybody what the name of this is. Uh, It's titled The Five Biggest Risk Factors for Conflict in Blended Families. There's so much conflict potential in blended families. So why don't we just start talking about it? All right. Well, thank you. And I also want to say thank you for having me, Judith. It is so wonderful to reconnect with you. I love our conversations. I love your conversational style. I love what you do and and so many of your interviews. So thank you so much for having me back. I have to say that first. Oh, my pleasure. I mean, because you're a little pot of gold. We don't have enough of you going around. And when we have a divorce rate, Judy, uh, 50% of first marriages, 60% of second marriages, 70% of third marriages ending in divorce. Yeah. And there are children everywhere. Yeah. This is where you come in. Beautiful. There are more blended families than first families now, and that trend is growing. And then, and we also don't have an exact uh, rate for the divorce simply because of the cohabitation rates, because there's no way to measure cohabitation officially. You know, so like when you factor that in, those rates that you just said that are alarming enough. those actually could be a lot higher when you factor in the cohabitation rates. So this is a really alarming thing. And I, um, I, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk about this because, because it is important. Okay. Well, I just learned something new right now. Nice. Never even thought about the cohabitation rate. I mean, we call in California people who have children aren't married and have to and need the court to do custody and child support. We call these parentage cases, and they're uh, generally uh, proprietary. They're not public cases. But I really never thought about this in terms of the work you do. Yes. So, and also, any of those single parents um, are. Not necessarily all of them. It just depends on if they're dating. So as soon as the single parent starts dating, those step family dynamics that are actually starting. And if those single parents have an ongoing relationship or, you know, if they're still in contact with the, their children's um, parents, then those are also step family dynamic related. Now, I know we put those in the realm of co-parenting, right? But that affects the remarriage. And that's actually one of the uh, risk factors for conflict in blended families. That's okay. mentioned in my ebook. Right, it's that conflict. With, so like, start with that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. It is a great way to, a great place to start because that is one of the biggest things that I am actually hired for, if you will, is 
the conflict with the ex-spouse. Uh, that in the uh, co-parenting style be- with between the step-parent and the parent. But yeah, let's start with the, the conflict with the ex. The reason why that causes issues is because um, usually it causes more misbehavior within the children, you know, because you're not agreeing on discipline styles. So it's like, it's my way or his way. And, and then the kids don't know what to do. The kids are just not, they're they're not sure what they need to do at mom's house or dad's house. And is it different? And, you know, if, and their emotional level goes up, their anxiety goes up. And when they're having a hard time adjusting because the parents are worrying, then they're just going to misbehave more because they're usually getting less boundaries or less discipline somewhere along the lines. That's part of, and then you just have, you know, really, you have angry kids, you have sad kids, you have grieving kids. And the more you're worrying or, you know, arguing with the other parent, the less you are present and paying attention or able to recognize what is going on with your kids. And, and a lot of, and and it causes a lot more blaming too, you know, because when you're yelling at or to your ex, you know, everything you say about or to your ex-spouse, if the, the kids overhear it, even if you think they're not, the kids are overhearing it or they get wind of it or it's like there's a lot of bleed through. Well, kids process that as like that's a part of them. Like they are half of both of their parents, you know, like I'm half of my mom, I'm half of my dad. So if you're saying, if my mom is saying something bad about my dad, then the kids are internalizing that. So there's. Okay. I'm sorry. So I, 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 I want to go back to, because something occurred to me while you're talking about signals. So kids can very easily get mixed signals in terms of boundaries, in terms of parenting styles. A, before a step-parent shows up, we've got two households and conceivably two different parenting styles. So now the kids have to remember and adjust to two different parenting styles if the parents themselves are not compromising it on the same page. Now you throw in a step-parent, oh my gosh, what if you have two? What if you have a step-parent on each side and a biological parent on each side? What are the kids supposed to do? Right. And they're also grieving that loss, you know, so that is actually part of it. So the longer and and see, and I I also have another ebook on my website too, that for smooth co-parenting. And that one is about how uh, single parents can gain closure after their divorce. So the more that you're able to gain closure, and this is something that you've talked about in previous interviews with other people with I love the emotional divorce, the emotional divorce leads to closure. So when you get closure, and I highly recommend people listen to your other interviews for those ones, but how that leads to conflict in the remarriage is that you don't have closure. So 
all that anger that you have towards your ex-spouse comes out. So then when you have a new step parent that comes in, your new partner, that person always sides with their current, you know, they, they're not, most people are not objective. I mean, like it would be lovely if everybody was, but honestly, people are like, I'm go- I want to protect my spouse. So then they often get more involved and they start also conflict with that ex-spouse in their own way. So, because now, because if it's a husband, well, actually, it doesn't matter if it's a husband or a wife that's new. They both want to protect their spouse. And, and protect their new spouse. And that even bleeds over into child support. Yes. The amount of money to pay for miscellaneous expenses. It really bleeds over into the financial support of the children. The new spouses have a huge influence on this. Yes. And, and that, and all of that impacts the children emotionally, you know, and I, I, and I don't want to leave your audience thinking that, oh, well, with the kids, well, with the kids, be, I, I mean, because kids are adaptable and, and, but if a parent is cognizant, you know, aware of their emotions and are able to regulate those emotionals because you can't always control all those swings. I mean, you can't always control what your ex is saying or doing or whatever, you know, and so. being able to get to that point of agreement is not always possible. Um, And sometimes a new spouse can help with that. So sometimes the step parent can actually be a positive thing with regard to that healing aspect. If they're supportive, if they're another voice, if they're, if they can, so sometimes they can even that emotional swing out and be helpful. So like a step parent coming in is not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's a really good thing. It's true. And, and and sometimes that step parent can be an advocate for the kids because sometimes the step parent can also see things that's going on with the kids that sometimes the parent is not able to see because, because they're still going through the emotional divorce, right? They're clouded. Yes. They're still working through their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah, And it takes a really, really long time to do that. And, and especially, like I said, you know, if you have an ex that's, you you really just can't agree with. Mm -hmm. I know that is really tough. Judy, what's another one? So we have mixed signals and co-parenting. What's another? uh, So I think the logical next one to talk about is the different, uh, parenting styles Mm. because you already have a different parenting style most likely with the ex-spouse that's most likely one of the reasons you divorced so sometimes people have a pattern of marrying a repeat of their ex you know so that's a parent that uh pattern that happens so then you're going to have that but it doesn't look the same in the beginning because a lot of times like i said that new person can help with the healing aspect so there's a lot of bonding there so you might not always see how 
in other ways, they're kind of like your ex. <laughs> right. I can understand that. I can. So, um, and then sometimes another thing that people do is they swing towards the exact opposite. So it's like if my ex is really permissive and I, I don't want another permissive parenting style because they were just letting the kids get away with everything, anything, a murder, so to speak, you know, as the saying goes, well, now I want somebody who, I'm sorry. Metaphorically speaking, since we have so much gun violence in this country. <laughs> yes. I, I, I know I hesitated when I used that, but that was the saying. Um, but, um, but a lot of times people swing towards the other way. So then they're like, I want somebody who is actually more structured and, and, and does do consequences, has more rules. And so they're more attracted to that. Mm -hmm. But then one of the biggest things that um, I'm called for, those are the two co-parenting conflict with the ex. And the second one is co-parenting with the step parent. So if, the parent is permissive and the step parent is authoritarian. So now like I, I want somebody who's a little bit more structured, but you don't always recognize that maybe that person is too structured. Yeah. So like if that person is way too structured and they want rules for everything, well, if the parent is not normally that and they're used to how it was with you and their other parent. Right that adjustment to somebody who is rules, 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 rules. And if, and every rule you break is very, I'm going to offer a consequence for that and a punishment. The kids are like, they're, they're, they're just naturally going to rebel. It's like, because anything they're not used to, they're going to be like, right. You know, And I remember on a previous interview that you had said when a a third party enters the scene, one parent, one former spouse gets a new partner, a new wife or husband. You said they, they really should sit down together and talk about the parenting style they are as a unit going to present. I remember that, right? Yes. That is huge. And, and I, and I love, and I, you're such a, that's such a good memory. Thank you. But uh, you do a lot of these. So, and I know that you very much want to understand. And I think that's part, that's one of the reasons why you're such a good interviewer is because you are genuinely trying to understand. My video is Freezing. Is my audio still no, there? No, the audio is actually quite fine. I don't know why. Just keep talking. It, it'll work itself out. If it does, ah, there it is. Okay. As it long as you can out. hear me, okay, it's fine. No, no, we're good. We're good. Tech, As we said before we hit record, technology. I know, right? Uh, um, so, yeah, they should talk about parenting styles. And part of the challenge with that sometimes is that those styles are part of their natural personality. Mm. So it's really hard to change those sometimes, which is why I've actually adopted um, a, a method to help them with family mission statements. Because for, for a parent who is permissive and a step parent who is authoritarian, 
it's a lot harder to change those that your natural personality styles and a family mission statement can kind of help with that. I think that's really cool. The family mission statement. Well, okay. So we have a divorce. Each parent is living in a separate house. There are children. One of the parents gets another spouse and they have very different parenting styles. Well, how, how do you choose how to get to the parenting style that's right for the kids? Doesn't the biological parent want their parenting style to be the style over their biological kids? Yes. So that is one of the solutions that I, and my ebook does mention solutions, by the way. I, it's not just the risk factors. I do oh, actually talk about solutions. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that is the the biggest recommendation for that. The most immediate way to to get to a solution is is for the parent to establish the rules and the consequences, and and if the step parent can just step back and allow that parent parenting styles to be the way for the kids, then that is the best way to adjust to the scenario. Okay, that um, sounds cool. But and you- I have to specify and an- I just have to emphasis put emphasis on this on the consequences for that because a lot that's left out of a lot of the the talk and a lot of the articles they always mention how the parents need to establish those rules but the problem is if they don't also establish what those consequences are then it'll cause more problems. So if the parent, see the problem with what we were talking about, the step parent is mentioning what the the punishment is and the kids don't like that. They don't want somebody else that is not, that they're not bonded to yet. If they haven't built a rapport, they're not going to be receptive to any kind of punishment, even if it's a a fair punishment. So any kind of punishment from the step parent is usually not accepted. So, but if the parent says, okay, for every rule that's broken, this is what the consequence will be. So the parent establishes that ahead of time and they tell the kids, this is what the consequence is. And even when I'm not here, I'm giving authority to my spouse, your step parent, you know, and, you know, usually by name, I'm giving that person authority to us to give you this consequence, this punishment. Then it's, then it, the kids are like, now it's coming from my parent. So even when my parent is not home and my step parent is giving me that consequence, the kids are not, they can't argue with it because that actually came from the parent, even though the step parent is actually uh, implementing it. Okay, I want to complicate this for a second. <laughs> okay, good. Each parent, bio- each parent is a biological parent of two children. Now you have four. Now you have Brady Bunch, and the parenting styles are very different for each parent. Now you have two children from each new parent. What do you do now? I love that you asked that question. There, there is one section um, 
in in the solution portion of this where I talk about this. And this is something that very few people know about, but an alternative way of dealing with this is if each biological parent in, in the same blended house um, chooses rules and consequences for their own kids and then doesn't cross punish the other kids, that actually works. It sounds very counterintuitive. It does. Because you have two sep- separate sets of rules and consequences in the same house, but it's it, it but it somehow works. Okay, that is so interesting. And then I I, I don't know, then the kids could kind of play with that um almost like a game of consequences. <laughs> I suppose they could, but like, you know, the thing, the bottom line is kids just want direction. It's like they want to know what to do. And kids are very egocentric. Like, you know, we, we adults put a lot of extra thought and process into a lot, but sometimes it's a lot simpler than what we think. I mean, we make things more complicated because we see a lot more things, you know, like we've seen a lot more in the world. We have a lot more information. We have a lot more fears. We have a lot more, all those things that we think are going to interfere with this and that. But kids are so egocentric. They they just want to know what they need to do. They want their needs met and they, it, it gives them structure. I mean, at the bottom line, and they're not spending a lot of time trying to understand it. Now, there are some cases of step-sibling rivalry, and that's another thing that you can work on. But for the most part, this does work. I was almost going to ask something about this. This may touch on what was in the back of my mind, and I'm thinking, should I ask? Should I not ask? You said somehow it works when there's two different parenting styles in the same blended household. I wonder if it's kind of a um, uh, misery loves, um, what's that? Misery loves company. company? Misery like Is it kind of like, well, my parent made me do this. I know. And then my parent made me do this. Is it kind of like that? They bond over that? Uh, it could be. I mean, I suppose it's different for every family. And also it depends on what the age of the kids are too and their gender, because um, if, if they're around the same age, then there's a little bit more potential for that. But if they're different ages, mm-hmm. then there's more leeway with that because it's like, th- then you, it's, you can tie it into the age thing okay. and, or you know, they or their their family values or their culture, or you can tie it into so many other possibilities, like with regard to how they do things because of the their you know whatever the culture is or the religion that's or true. their traditions Ooh, or whatever. That's true. That's true. And then Judy, in the blended frame of mind organically as time goes on can a blended couple kind of morph into their own third unique blended way of co-parenting 
Yes, that and that often does happen over several years. I mean, we, there's a statistics that says it takes an average of seven to ten years for a blended family to start feeling more normal if, or like a oh, real family. Oh, I don't like using the words normal or real because, you know, what is that anymore? You know what I mean? But can we use cohesive? Cohesive. I Yes, that's good. That, right. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. All right. All right, Judy, I think we did three areas of conflict. Yes. Conflict and co-parenting styles. We did two. Okay. Go ahead with three. The, um, the age of the kids. So I, this one is a big one that I wanted to express because like if the kids are like six or seven, basically eight or nine is like the rule of thumb. Younger than that, they adjust very well. Older than that, not so much. And the older, the, the more difficult. And so this to me... I want to bring in one of the main reasons I wanted to write this ebook is because there's a lot of shaming and blaming and fear that's happening in the step parent world. So there's a lot of really horrible step family stories out there. And so just of all the things that go wrong and all the conflict and and any new stepmom that joins a support group because they want to know what they're getting into are often bombarded with all the horror stories of of all the things that go wrong you know like all the conflicts and all these things right. but then an unintended effect of that is you also have a lot of stepmoms in there who have never had big problems and they have good intentions with wanting to join these support groups so they can offer support for other stepmoms. Okay. And that's, a, and they have very good intentions to doing that, but because I have done X, Y, Z and have gotten good results, you should be able to also. Okay. But the problem is, is, if the kids were young when you blended in the first place, they adjusted well. So no matter what step mom did, X, Y, and Z, it's going to be better received by the kids. Even if they have a different parenting style, it's still going to be a like even parent different parenting styles, which is a risk factor that I mentioned in the book, even that does not seem to have that big of a potential conflict when the kids are young because the kids are adapting very easily. Okay. All right, that makes sense. So a lot of and so a lot of times stepmoms don't realize that one of the reasons they don't have conflict is because they blended when the kids were two or three, or six. And so then they're looking at another stepmom that has, you know, a stepchild who is eight or nine. And it's like, well, I did, you know, this, that should, you know, what's wrong with you? And sometimes stepmoms do it to themselves, you know, because it's like, why am I having all this conflict? I don't understand. Like, I should be able to do what these other stepmoms do and get the same results. Well, that's not not necessarily because 
your your dynamic is different because your kids are older, so they require different approach. You Got need it. to actually, if the kids are older, you need to take it slow. You That's when the first things that we were talking about, about taking it slow and the biological parent needing to, to make the rules and consequences, that's when it's even more important for the step parent to step back if the kids are older. So what the step parent needs to do is really spend time getting to know those kids on an individual level, building their own unique relationship with them. And then also going back to like one of the earlier things we were talking about with the emotional divorce and the emotional swings. Mm -hmm. Every single stage of the blended family, if a parent spends more individual time with their, each of their kids, that helps both the parent and the child adapt better. It makes so much sense. It really, really does. Judy, what's the fourth area of conflict? Okay, well, the fourth one is an over-attachment style uh, between the kid and either of the parents. So I mentioned this as two different risk factors because it's a little bit different if they're attached to the biological parent, the custodial. For ease of, of conversation, I'm sitting, I'm going to use the word custodial and non-custodial. Now I know that most people have joint custody nowadays, but just for the ease of this conversation, I'm going to use custodial for our household that we're talking about and non-custodial for the second household. What's the, how do you define the first household? The person I'm talking to. If a parent has an equal timeshare, let's just say they have an equal timeshare. It, it, I, it's just because I'm, I'm talking to, I can only talk to one person. I'm not normally talking to an ex-spouse. That's the only, that's the only, there is no difference. If I'm talking to the other parent, then they're the, they're the custodial just for this conversation. And it's just to ease. I thought it would be an easier way to explain the non, the over-attachment style because it's, the solution is a little bit different. So like if, I'm the biological parent and I am overly attached to my child, then my spouse who is coming in, so there's something that's called the insider-outsider perspective. So I, as a biological parent, have a lot of stories with my child of past holidays past birthdays, past vacations of school history, like all of the, we have tons and tons and tons of stories that my new spouse does not know. Okay. So I am, that's the insider thing. I have the insider scoop on the, the, what's all the history. The step parent feels like an outsider. They are the outsider. They have, they have to, it takes time for them to build that rapport with their child or with the stepchild, you know, and I, and that was in the last risk factor solution. I talked about the step parent taking time 
to build a rapport. But until they actually build that rapport, until that actually happens and they have their own unique relationship with the child and they're the outsider. So it takes a long time for them to feel like the insider. So in that interim period, the parent needs to make space in the child's world to include the parent. So for all of these insider include, stories, to include how do I actually include my spouse now in those stories? Now, some parents have this, it's, it's a subconscious psychological need to, it's like a, the sacred need, like my relationship with my t- child is sacred. Need to do what? Need to keep that relationship sacred. Need to. Oh, biological parent wants to keep their relationship sacred. Yes, with their child. I just want to push this uh, a a little bit because it is normal in a household where there's no divorce, where a child will be more attached to one parent than the other. And I think it frequently happens with a child and a mother. I've I've just seen it more like that. But they're so very attached to that one parent that it's almost worrisome. Hmm, why is that? Why did the child follows the parent around, cries if the parent isn't at home just to go grocery shopping, something like that. Now you've got a divorce. Now you have a blended family coming in. So you have a step parent coming in uh, to the other biological parents house uh the parent that the child wasn't as attached to is that not a problem when the ch- when the child who's overly attached to one biological parent goes to the other parent's house and has a new step parent in front of them is does this present issues so if it's a psychological overattachment and unhealthy attachment, then it, it will. So because any parent who has a psychological unhealthy at- attachment to their child, typically, like I said, psychologically wants to keep it sacred and wants to keep, they have a resistance to another person parenting their child. Okay. So I really it could be that. their spouse or it could be their ex-spouse. And then if their ex-spouse is remarried, then there's even more resistance to that ex, my ex-spouse's, you know, spouse yeah. parenting. Right. Right. So, and in severe cases, then they're going to talk bad about the other parent. Like, because it's it's very subconscious and it's possibly a trauma response. Possibly, you know. Uh, they're going to, like, be overly like, this is how we do it. This is how I want it. This is, like, my way is the right way. And they're going to, and every other way is wrong or I'm resistant to every other way because any way other than my way is taking away from 
my, how I'm having this relationship. Cause I, I'm like, it's a very tight container around the, how sacred that is. And I don't want anything at all to jeopardize that. I want to make a comment on overattachment now. This is kind of a one-off, but I've watched this in my personal family and with friends. And I hear that when I'm doing co-parenting schedules and mediation, we're talking about maybe a child that's two years old and mom, you know, definitely feels they need to bond with mom more. It's natural. It's organic. They want the child to be with them most of the time until they're between three and five. You're now setting up, in my opinion, in my observation, a very difficult situation with your child because I have seen this grow into teenagers are relying on that one parent they have an over-attachment on to do everything for them. You know, when you're a teenager and you start driving, a lot of kids start getting credit cards. A lot of kids have cell phones. So on that cell phone, you can start ordering from Amazon. You may have a little savings account. You know, we start our kids off with savings accounts early. I have watched teenagers Mom, will you put this in the bank? Mom, I just got this money from Uncle So-and-so. How much should I get? Um, uh, Mom, I'm going to go ahead and uh, can I have your credit card and use Amazon? It's like, oh, my gosh, they're not growing the way they're supposed to. Where's that independence? Right. And so and you you highlight a very important point is how organic this is and how natural this is, especially after a divorce. Because there's this void after a divorce, you know, the, the, especially if the other parent is not, not showing up that much, especially if the, if, if one parent just becomes distant or vacant or they travel a lot or whatever the reason is. Okay. Or maybe that single parent is single for a really, really, really long time that will also tighten that bond. Mm -hmm. So those are all organic things that are natural and not necessarily in and of themselves a bad thing. It only turns into an unhealthy thing if, like you say, like the kids then for some reason don't become self-sufficient. You know, that's the hovering parent, you know. Yeah, uh, the helicopter parent. Um, so that's one potential, but also in the like with the remarriage and the blended families for the risk factor, it's like I don't have space for another person. Like if it's just me and my child all the time, I I have to emotionally adjust to be open, open up emotionally to have somebody else in my child's life. I have to recognize what fear do I have as a parent that is making me cling too tightly to this relationship I have with my child. So sometimes that's because that void after the relationship is gone, that first divorce is so strong. I it's, guess. 
they're you it's a healing thing and so that could be a it could be a very positive thing initially for them to adjust and heal through that divorce i get it judy i have we have have five minutes left and i want to do the fifth one quickly i don't want to leave without it what's the fifth conflict area well so the over attachment is both is two different ones so it's an over attachment with um, in the same household, the insider outside perspective. But if it's the overattachment is with the other parent in the other household, then it causes even more problems. So that's the fifth one is the overattachment with the parent in the other household, because then that other household is more likely that's when they're like talking very negative about the kids or about you. And then your household has to go, um, you know, keep your side of the, the street clean and spend more time focusing on what's positive and right in order to um, be a more positive role model, be more positive than the other household is negative, if that makes sense. it's. So that's the other problem because that becomes, um, it's the loyalty bind. That's that's the word I was missing. Mm -hmm. So loyalty binds are very common and they're natural. Kids are always more loyal to their own parents. So then if I'm, so if the child is overly attached to the, the parent in the other household, then they feel like they're being disloyal to their other parent for yes. liking their step parent. Yes. Yes. And then the the parent is like once that psychologically need has a need for it. Right. Then they're going to be okay with that and they're going to want nothing to do with that step parent. They don't even want to acknowledge the step parent or have, they're less likely to have conversations with them. And, and, and so then that's when, like, especially if it's a mom and stepmom, there's a lot of stuff out there about that relationship being very adversarial and the dad is stuck in the middle. So if the mom has a psychological overattachment to their child and they're resisting having a stepmom in their child's life, then that father has to establish healthy boundaries. And it's really important for that father to get involved because he has the most influence with his child and with the ex. And the stepmom has to stay out of it. That's that's one of the biggest mistakes that a stepmom makes is to get involved. Yeah. Because she's being the target of a mom who doesn't want her in in the life of her kid. Right. So she feels involved and it feels very personal. And it's really hard to like step back, but she really needs to leave that up to her 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 husband. 
you know where we saw that? We saw that in the movie Stepmom with Julia Roberts and Susan. Yeah. We really saw that. Judy, we have, I have two minutes to end because I really want to keep this um, to 45 minutes. Can you just, as the takeaways, just bullet point the five risk factors? Just bullet point them. Uh, the one, the age of the kids, nine years old or older is going to have a harder time adjusting. Uh, two is conflict with the ex-spouse, any kind of conflict. You want that emotional divorce and closure as much as possible. Uh, three is polarity and parenting styles. If the parent is permissive and the step-parent is not, it's going to cause challenges, period. Um, then the fourth is overattachment between the custodial parent and the child. And then the fifth is overattachment with the parent in the second household. Okay, that's great. Judy, I really appreciate that. So in order for people to get in touch with you, although it's going to be in the show notes, but people do like to write things down as they're listening, best way for people to contact you. My website is judygraybill.com. J-U-D-Y-G as in girl, R-A-Y, B as in boy, I-L-L. I'm on Instagram. And I just started a new support group for step family, moms and step families called the Holistic Step Family. Holistic with an E because we're whole. The Um, family is whole. So we are the Holistic Step Family. So um, that's on Facebook. So look us up there. Excellent. Judy, thank you. This was really good information as always. And I can't wait to have you back again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Judith. And thank all of you for listening. If you don't already subscribe and just found me, please do so. If you know other people uh, that would benefit from this information, please uh, make them aware of the Amicable Divorce Expert podcast, theamicabledivorceexpert.com. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.